fat is a storage form of energy. When your body consumes too much food, thus too much energy, and it doesn't expend that energy, your, your body's got to do something with that energy. And so your body takes that energy and stores it in the form of fat. When your body is without food energy, your body prefers to have energy from food. But if you don't have any food energy available, then your body will go into your fat stores. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, author, and mind-body coach. And several years ago, I self-hacked my mind and my body to lose 30 pounds. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and weight loss habits, you'll also learn how to address the destructive habits and negative self-talk that lead to overeating and battles with your weight. The secret to losing weight and keeping it off is not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome back to the Mind Your Body Show. Joining us today, we have a very special guest, and that is Dr. Ian Smith. Dr. Ian Smith is the number one New York Times bestselling author of Clean and Lean, The Clean 20, Shred, Super Shred, The Shred Power Cleanse, and Blast the Sugar Out. He has created two national health initiatives, the 50 Million Pound Challenge and the Makeover Mile and has served two terms on the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. A graduate of Harvard, Columbia, and the University of Chicago's Pritzker School of Medicine, Smith is an avid fitness enthusiast and sportsman. So we are so excited to have Dr. Smith joining us here today on the Mind Your Body Show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Smith. Thanks for having me. Glad to be with you. First of all, I have to start by saying, or actually by acknowledging you, because you're someone that's helped me personally with my weight loss struggle many years ago. And I always share the story with my clients and my readers that, you know, I looked at lots of different research studies and I looked at experts in weight loss and what they were doing and applied these strategies on myself. And you were one of the ones that was so instrumental to being part of that story, that success story of helping me to lose 30 pounds six years ago now. So thank you so much for that. Uh, my pleasure. I. Uh... You know, sometimes you work in a vacuum and you don't know the lives that you touch or reach and you just try to keep doing good work and you keep putting it out there hoping that it will impact someone. So to hear that it actually has some impact is very nice. Awesome. Awesome. And you've helped so many thousands and probably millions of people now as well. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, you've been at it for a while. So your latest book is called Mind Over Weight. What inspired you to write that book? Well, I've been wanting to write this book for a very, very long time because I feel as though that the real differentiator between people who are successful at weight loss and those who really struggle really occurs within the six inches between the years. And I think that, you know, having your mind in the right place is essential for success, not just weight loss, but life in general, but particularly when it comes to weight loss. When I looked at the feedback from the thousands of people I've worked with, whether online or in person or readers of my books, they would always come back to the mindset because I always ask them, what was it that really got you around the corner over the hump? What was it that made it work this time? Mm. And, you know, it was always about the mind, that they were ready for it, that their mind was right, that they looked at things differently. So I really wanted to put together all the advice I had been giving informally to people uh, about, you know, what happens in the mind. And I think mind overweight really is the culmination of that, you know, talking about motivation you know, how do you find the right plan and how do you crush your cravings and how do you set the right goals? 
these all these are all things that seem small, but really when you look at them as an amalgamation, as a collection of things, they're really important. And I think that before anyone starts a weight loss program, no matter how good the weight loss program is, no matter how good a trainer is or exercise routine is, if you don't have your mind right, then you're going to be facing a seriously steep uphill battle. Absolutely. Yeah, you are what you think, right? Absolutely. So I loved in chapter four of your book where you talked about how to crush the cravings, speaking of cravings. So can you tell us more about that and also discuss the reward center of your brain? Well, you know, the the pleasure reward system in our brain is somewhat complicated, uh, not fully well understood, but understood enough for us to get an idea about it. Basically, you know, when you like something, um, your body reduces, uh, uh, produces in your brain and the ventral tegmental area, kind of almost like midbrain, your body produces this neurotransmitter called dopamine. We've all heard of dopamine before. It's a chemical. Right. Uh, and what this dopamine does is a couple of things. One, let's say, for example, you like chocolate cake and you eat a slice of chocolate cake and it tastes really good and you enjoy it. Then your body floods your brain with dopamine. This dopamine travels from the midbrain to the frontal area of the brain. And it tells your body, number one, that I like this. And number two, increases the memory of what it was that caused the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is your brain is now primed uh, to understand that that chocolate cake gave you great satisfaction, great pleasure. So it's the pleasure reward. Right. Uh, and so what happens is when you see a chocolate cake um, in the future or you smell it or you think about it, then your body starts releasing this dopamine again. And then your body needs to respond to this prompt, the dopamine kind of is a trigger to go get the reward, go actually satisfy it, uh, this craving. And so you go get the chocolate cake. Um, mm-hmm. What's interesting is that studies have shown us that um, these cravings only last about 15 to 20 minutes and then they go away. They're chemically mediated versus hunger, which is more permanent. Hunger, right. your body needs nutrition, it needs energy, it needs nutrients, and that's not going to go away until you satisfy it. So mm-hmm. I, I liken to the book, I say, hunger is like your oil light. And when you're low on oil, uh, your oil light comes on and says you need to put oil in your car. And no matter how many times you turn your car on or off, the oil light is going to come back on until you give it oil. Versus cravings is like your Bluetooth prompt. When you get into your car and the dashboard says, do you want to co- connect your Bluetooth? And if you don't do anything at all, eventually that prompt is going to go away. Right. Without you doing anything. That's what a craving is versus what a hunger is. Right. And I'm so glad that you brought up that analogy because you are so great at taking really complex concepts and just putting these really great analogies behind them. So that makes it so much more easier for people to understand and then also implement in their own lives. So I'm glad that you brought that one out because I was actually going to ask you about that one. I was going to ask you to explain that to the audience because I thought that that was great. Sure. So you also talked in your book about possessing self-confidence. And I love this part of the book. Um, You talked about possessing self-confidence and how it's critical when it comes to weight loss, or as I like to call it weight release. So can you talk more about that and also how self-confidence is mistakenly confused with self-esteem? Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, people, it's interesting. People think that they're self-confident or they think that they have a high self-esteem and they really don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I start that chapter um, with the Rosenberg uh, self-esteem, you know, survey or test. Right. So you can get an idea do you have low self-esteem, high self-esteem? What is your self-esteem really? Because how we carry ourselves externally may have nothing to do with how we are 
what's going on internally, right? Mm-hmm. People can carry mm-hmm. themselves with swagger, but really right. have low self-esteem. You know what I mean? Right. Um, how you dress the package does not, you know, dictate what's inside the package. And so mm-hmm. I really wanted people to get an understanding of what their esteem was like. Uh, because I think that in order, you know, weight loss is a journey. Uh, for many, it's a battle, understandably so. Uh, and I think that in order to have success, you have to have confidence in yourself. You have to have confidence in the process. And you have to have confidence that you will be able to achieve. If you right. lack this kind of confidence, then you're already kind of starting off, you know, in a negative situation because um, you don't have the belief that this is actually going to carry out. And sometimes when we think things are not going to happen, it comes to fruition. It doesn't happen. Uh, right. Often, and this is life in general, you have to really visualize and be confident that if you put the work in, if you execute the steps that you're going to achieve. And if you don't think that going out, I think that's a problem. So in that chapter, I really try to hone in for people to differentiate their confidence versus their self-esteem to determine what their self-esteem levels are like. And also I give some examples, I don't have my book with me, but uh, I also give some examples, for example, in that chapter of what people need to look at um, when they're looking to see whether or not they have uh, self-esteem issues. And I think it's, you know, like, for example, for confidence, lacking confidence, um, constantly searching for needing approval from others for validation, Mm. overly defensive, unable to enjoy the present because you fear the future, consistently backing down during disagreements, and even when you feel strongly about something. These are some of the simple things, I think, on pages 136 to 137 that really will give people an idea of where they stand from a confidence standpoint. Absolutely. And it's something that I've never really seen covered in a weight loss or a health book before. So when I saw that in there, I just thought, wow, this is exceptional and something that so many people can learn about themselves and you know how it can actually make it easier for them to lose weight just by setting their mindset up for success. And you also shared you know, 11 beautiful ways to boost self-confidence. And you had some self-confidence mantras in there as well, which I thought were really, really excellent. So I highly recommend people pick up the book and plug those mantras into your phone. <laughs> Do you wish you could uncover the sabotaging patterns that are preventing you from reaching and maintaining your desired weight? Take my free quiz to discover your diet personality so that you can pinpoint habit-forming strategies that will help you to achieve lasting weight loss. You can take the quiz over at trudyestone.com. So I want to talk about intermittent fasting. Um, and I know it's a topic you're very, very experienced about and you like talking about. So what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting and what are the different types? How do you recommend that people go about doing intermittent fasting? I just, uh, before we get to IF, I just want to say like the first mantra I think is so critical. No one is perfect. I can make mistakes like anyone and it doesn't make me mm. any less of a person or any less skilled. You know, I know mm. I wrote these mantras, but I, I love these mantras. I love that they're simple. I love that they're relatable, that they apply to all of us. I just think that, you know, reading some of these every day, a couple of them every day, just to remind yourself, I will not stop until I win. I mean, just those simple words. But, you know, once again, it's getting into your spirit, into your soul that you can do this. And that's so important. Um, Anyway, um, I I have a favorite one as well. Can I share mine? (laughs) So my favorite one was every day I will do something that makes me better and puts me closer to my goals. 
Because really it is just about taking that one step every day. And I think a lot of times we maximize the negative and then we minimize the positive, right? So I think it really is just really, you know, celebrating those, those little steps that we take every single day that we might not think is like a big mountain that we've overcome, but it is a small step that's going to help us to climb that mountain. You know what? You just inspired me. Today, when we go off this call, I'm going to videotape myself reading these mantras and put it on my Instagram page for people so they can, even if they don't have the book, they can get these mantras. How about that? <laughs> awesome. Exactly. <laughs> um, but let's talk I am. It's been speaking yes. So my Instagram page is at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. And please make sure you only follow the one with the verified check mark because some fan account has emerged and the person's trying to impersonate me. That's all another conversation. Oh boy. Uh, okay. But you know, follow my account, please, because on my page, I have a two week um, shelter in place meal plan that you can follow for free. Uh, people have lost up to six pounds in two weeks. So they've done really, really well. I've also posted some three to four minute videos at home videos. You can do without any machines or any equipment. So please go to my page at Dr. Ian Smith, spell the doctor out Ian Smith and look at some of this stuff because um, I think it'd be really beneficial. And I'll make sure I link up like all the ways that people can find you in the show notes as well. Okay. Intermittent fasting. Well, we can dedicate a whole podcast to that, but let me just quickly, (laughs) as quick as I can say about intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is one of those, those eating strategies. It's not really a diet, but it's an eating strategy where, and it's, it's a rare instance where a popular trend, excuse me, it's a rare instance where science, scientific research has finally caught up to the popular trend. So the research, typically we get these popular trends. There's no research behind it, no science behind it. Mm. It's what, you know, people say they've done and they've had success, uh, success anecdotal evidence. Right. But when it comes to intermittent fasting, a lot of research, tons of research supports a lot of the, a lot of the uh, uh, claims of it. It helps with weight loss. It help, helps reduce belly fat. It helps reduce insulin resistance. It helps reduce um, symptoms related to Alzheimer's. Uh, it helps re- reduce symptoms related to asthma. So all these things have been well documented by scientific studies. So I'm really excited that people are really into it. This is, like I said, one time where the science meets the popular demand for a particular strategy. Right. Intermittent fasting, basically, and there, there are many different types. We can't get into all different types. But the type I talk about is TRF, time-restricted feeding, where you take a 24-hour day and you break it up to a feeding window and a fasting window. The numbers have to equal 24. So, for example, if you do a 12-12 program, that means you're going to eat all your meals and snacks within 12 hours. Then you're going to do a 12-hour fast. And it's alternating. So it's 12 feeding, 12 fasting, 12 feeding, 12 fasting. So it's not a starvation program where you're not going to eat. You're going to eat, and you're allowed to eat what you typically would eat. It's the timing of the eating that's critical with time-restricted feeding. Uh, The fasting period... Obviously, the more aggressive you are with your fast, meaning the longer the fasting period, um, it's it's presumed that you will um, burn fat faster, longer, quicker, and your weight loss will be more dramatic in a shorter period of time. So the ideal number, the fasting um, ratio to feeding, the ideal is is eighteen uh, six is like like the most uh, that you go. But people can probably still do well at 16.8. So let me give you an example. A 16.8 window would look like something like this, though you can change it for your own lifestyle. It would be, for example, uh, you wake up in the morning, you don't start eating until 12. Um, you eat 12 to 8 p.m. That's it. So you're eight, that's your eight-hour feeding window and then mm-hmm. surrounded by a 16-hour fast. The reason why intermittent fasting works, one of the reasons is because 
it's simple energy demand and, and, and so if fat is a storage form of energy, when your body consumes too much food, thus too much energy, and it doesn't expend that energy, your, your body's got to do something with that energy. And so your body takes that energy and stores it in the form of fat. When your body is without food energy, your body prefers to have energy from food. But if you don't have any food energy available, then your body will go into your fat stores and release that fat and release it in an energy form that can be used by your body. Mm-hmm. So it's all about fat burning. Intermittent fasting causes fat burning. And so right. the longer you fast, the less available you have food calories, and food energy, the more you need. Your- but the critical thing about intermittent fasting is you have to be consistent. You can't change up your feeding and fasting windows every other day. And you have to stick to it. If 12 to 8 is your eating window, you have to stick to that. When you start moving it around, going from an 8-hour fast, 10-hour fast, or 4 hour whatever it is, your body does not hit the groove, I say. Your body needs to be in a groove. Mm-hmm. Because remember, most people don't understand that burning fat is a very complicated process for the body. And it's very expensive, meaning mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work to actually burn fat. It's just not like, oh, you stick a lighter to it, fat burns. It, chemically speaking, uh, from a biochemical standpoint, it's a lot of work. So anyway, uh, you got to stick to your windows. And if okay. you want to change your windows, my suggestion is change every week. Okay. Uh, last thing I want to say about IF is this, that I believe that you're allowed to have some calories during your fasting window. I, I allow 50 calories in my book, Clean and Lean. I allow 50 calories in the form of liquids only 50 max for the day uh, during your fasting window. I don't think that will break the fast. People who are more hardcore don't do any calories during that fasting window, but I don't think you're doing too much uh, too much damage by uh, consuming 50 calories. Okay, amazing. Thanks for recommending that. So in terms of intermittent fasting, do you think there's a specific amount of time that people should follow it? Or is it just, you know, you follow it as long as you see results? What, what do you recommend there? Well, some people... Yeah, some people live that way forever. It's not really complicated, and it's not very mm-hmm. arduous, depending on what your fasting and feeding windows you choose. Right. Uh, but if you want to see results, you know, I think that you can start seeing results in the first couple of weeks, and you go as long as you're seeing results and enjoying it. But like I said, some people make it a way of eating. It's not too onerous if you're mm-hmm. accustomed to eating that way. Now, if you choose a really long fast, like a 16-hour fast, um, that could and and and, and or 18-hour fast, that could be a little arduous, you know, because, you know, life happens, you go away, you know, you're on a plane, or whatever it right. is, it may not right. be easy to stick to it, but I think most people can find a balance for a period of time. Right. Okay. So I also want to talk about the current environment that we're in with, you know, the self-isolation and the quarantining and knowing the current environment where people are feeling uncertain, they're feeling anxious, they're feeling stressed. What are some ways that people can manage stress? Um, and I think maybe I heard that you might be learning to play the guitar. I don't know. Is that true? <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Uh, you know, as a matter of the piano. Um, but listen. I think that people have to find ways to release their stress in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's stressed to some degree for different reasons. It's completely normal. Stress is a normal part of living. But the question is how you handle the stress. And I think that turning to foods that are high calorie, high fat, high sugar content, low nutritional value, you know, that may temporarily relieve the emotional 
stress that you're under currently, but it's not really a good long-term solution. And I'm into, I'm into more productive long-term solutions. So mm-hmm. finding a way to channel your stress in a more positive way, becoming more physically active, engaging in something cerebral, whether it's writing or reading or creating, uh, gardening, uh, doing projects that you've been wanting to do for a very long time, uh, you're participating in a hobby. There are all kinds of ways, meditating, there are all kinds of ways that we can deal with the stress without turning to those high-calorie foods that have no nutritional value. And so I would, I would caution people that while the easy reflex is to go reach for the bag of chips, the bag of cookies, that take some time to think about kind of more productive ways because not only can you release the stress in a productive way, but you can also get something else accomplished. So it's a twofer. Mm-hmm. You're releasing the stress, but you're also you know, doing something that's going to be productive uh, and you know, check off one of those boxes. So I think that's, that's pretty instructional for a lot of people. I like that. So what do you think is the most common mistake that people make when they are trying to lose weight? I think one of the most common mistakes is that people have unrealistic goals. Chapter mm-hmm. two. Chapter one, the mind over weight is unlock your motivation, which everyone needs to lose weight. Chapter two, right next to it, is setting appropriate goals. The genius of goal setting. People mm-hmm. set goals that are unrealistic. Um, they want to lose 50 pounds in two months, in three months. Um, so they set these really unrealistic goals. And then they don't reach these goals. And then they become completely discouraged. They think that the program has failed. They think that they have failed. And really, neither is probably the case. They probably are doing well in the program. But because the goals are unrealistic and they're not reaching them, they don't realize how well they were really doing. You know, averaging one to one and a half, two pounds of weight loss a week is really good weight loss. But unfortunately, people have gotten um, people have gotten this this misbelief uh, that it's okay that they should be losing three pounds every week or four pounds every week. Yeah, listen, on my program, some weeks you're going to lose three pounds or four pounds, but that's a week, that may not be every single week. Some weeks right, may lose right. a pound, two pounds, no pounds. Sometimes no pounds is a victory. But I think that people need to learn how to set better goals. And that right. chapter is all about how do you break that big goal into smaller attainable goals? Because that in itself yes. becomes more motivation. Right. And celebrating those non-scale victories as well, right? Yeah. NSVs. Things, you know, mm-hmm. we always focus on the number. But things, right. there are important things outside of the number. For example... Are you able to climb two flights of steps consecutively without feeling winded? Are you going to actually accomplish working out three times in a week like you've been saying you want to do? I mean, are you going to avoid eating fried foods for three days in a row? There's so many large and small non-scale victories that are still contributory to your overall goal of losing weight and feeling better. Right, right. So what's next for Dr. Smith? (laughs) What's next is that uh, I am, uh, my new novel comes out in October. I write fiction. This is my third work of fiction. I like mysteries and thrillers. Um, actually, so this is it right here. It's called The Unspoken. Um, um, I'm excited this for this one. This one sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it's a character who's a private investigator it's based in Chicago. Um, and he leaves the forest under a cloud and he takes on select cases around the city of Chicago. And it's a great character. I love mysteries. I love thrillers. This is my third one. Actually, is um, the character's name is Ash Kane. 
Um, and his Instagram is I am Ash Kane. So it's A-S-H-E-C-A-Y-N-E. So follow it. It's really fun. But anyway, this book uh, is going to be a series. So there are going to be multiple Ooh. Ash Kane cases. And I hope to turn it into a TV series. Oh, I would love that. That would be amazing. You're just taking over the world, huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no? Like I told my friend, you just follow your passion. You know, you just have to follow your passion, no matter what, right. you know, people will doubt you and people will say you're crazy for wanting to do something. But my whole philosophy is very simple. You have one life on this earth mm-hmm. and that life has an end point that none of us know what the end point is going to be. So why not follow your passion and choose to do things, not that others think you should or shouldn't do, but do things that are in your heart that you enjoy and that you want to be engaged in. So I just follow my passions. I agree. And, you know, I've always said, like, I don't want to wake up one day and be seven year, 70 years old and thinking, well, what if I had done this? What if I had done that? And I hate should have, could have, would have. I would rather just try it something. And if it works out, fantastic. If it doesn't, then there's some sort of learning lesson in there for me. But I would always rather go after something and try something and be passionate about something than to just live a life of never trying anything at all. And always wondering what if. Amen to that. Yeah. So Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us here today. It has been an absolute treat, pleasure, and honor to have you here. I'm going to link up everywhere that you can find Dr. Ian Smith in the show notes. So please make sure that you check out his latest book. Also make sure you check out the fiction book that he has coming up in the fall and follow all of his programs, The Shelter from Home. Don't worry, I'm going to link it up all for you in the show notes. But thank you so much again, Dr. Ian Smith, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you. It was very nice talking to you. Be safe. Chase your dreams. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.